Forget everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it off for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I love Wednesdays. I know a lot of people call it hump day. I think that's ridiculous as people know if on Wednesdays you feel so overwhelmed that you're already looking toward Friday. That's practically half your week. So you might want to tune into the show every week to get a little more inspiration, I hope. Um, Today's guest I'm super excited about. Um, I will bring him in after my jelly bean update. But the teaser is it's Adam Gertler that we, we all know from Food Network and Doghouse Restaurants. Um, so Jelly Bean right now is um, the update is that we're still awaiting her late September court date. So can't wait for that. Really hoping she's going to be orphaned. Um, and in the meantime, we're doing our thing over here and she is eating more and more vegetables. She actually, I kid you not, the only thing that makes her super cranky, like her mom, is when she's hungry <laughs> And or people take away her favorite foods. Um, in her case right now, this week she's obsessed with plums. So um, do not let that child's plum roll away uh, or you will have a problem. Um, I'm kind of kidding in a problem, but it's hysterical. And she loves kiwi. And there's so many foods that she loves that I'm so excited that she's really taking a liking to. But I think I've said before that I'm actually plotting this and I think I figured out how to get kids to eat vegetables very very young I'm going to test drive the whole process I did with her on another friend who's about to have a baby before I like scream it to the rooftops and help all parents because I just want to make sure it wasn't a coincidence though we all know that jelly beans not my biology so nobody can blame the fact that I eat in that way um so stay tuned for that and uh, other than that, she is now, she's a tiny bit behind um, physically, but catching up. She's actually crawling now, and she's able to stand if you put, again, if you put food on the edge of the coffee table or something where she can see it, and then you put her there, she will bang her hands and figure out how to stand up. So, super exciting, and um that about covers it. Uh, just cruising along thinking she's the greatest thing ever uh, still, which is so amazingly nice. And yes, for those who are like, it's so hard being a mom. I think the logistics for me are hard, but the actual like being a mom part is fun and enjoyable. And I just love making her laugh. So she brightens my day and makes, oh, had so much love to my house in so many ways. Um, on that note, I'm going to jump into Adam because I'm really excited to get talking to him. As many of you know, Adam was the executive chef of the Smoked Joint, a barbecue experience in Philadelphia in 2003 to 2005. In 2012, he channeled his passion for encased meats into another career and began working with doghouse restaurants as their worst matcher, maker, master, I don't know. Worst maca. Worst, uh, worst maca. 
uh, sausage maker, and he wasn't going to tell me how to say that because he's awesome like that. And uh, for those of you who don't know him well, he's funny is what uh, I should have put in here more than the rest of it. Um, And he's their brand ambassador. Um, There are currently 30 doghouse franchises open all over the country with plans to open even more locations. Currently, Doghouse New York City is operating out of Chef's Club Counter in Manhattan. Uh, I know these aren't extremely lean foods that I eat all the time, but definitely, definitely your cheat meals. Um, He appeared on season four of Food Network Star in 2008 and recently won Food Network Star Comeback Kitchen in 2018. Adam was once again a finalist on Food Network Star XIV, which is, if I remember, 14, 14, I was going to (laughs) say. Four and 14, 10 years apart. Yep. Uh, Other Food Network credits include hosting Will Work for Food and a Kid in a Candy Store, which we're going to talk about because I know for a fact that Adam doesn't even like candy. Uh, (laughs) Adam's also appeared on many... We do what it takes, right? Um, Adam has also appeared on many episodes of Food Network's The Best Thing I Ever Ate and The Best Thing I Ever Made, as well as episodes of Food Network Challenge and Chef vs. City. Adam hosts the popular movie presentation show, FX Movie Download, from 2013 to present. Other TV appearances include Good Morning America, Food Paradise on Travel Channel, The Rachel Ray Show, Nate Berkus Show, Hallmark's Home and Family, and Fab Life. And honestly, like, the list goes on. He's just amazing. So... Adam, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I know it's so funny. Um, Some people might be like, wait, he's known for sausage and candy and all these things. You know what? The show really is about have it all. And what I love about Adam is I know he works like super hard. And I, I really feel like he's one of those people who's living his dream. So he is my, his, uh, Restaurants and things are, you know, a place that I would go for cheat food. So I just wanted to pick his brain a little bit as to how he got started and how we can all live the life of our dreams no matter what. Oh, my God. There's so many jumping off points that I've had while just like waiting here to speak (laughs) as we do. But first, I will say I don't have children of my own, but I do have two nephews and they're two and four. They're both boys. And I've, it's funny, I've watched, my brother is, uh, is a DEA agent and his wife is an FBI agent. And I've watched two boys wow. completely dismantle these basic, like, super agent of people. Like, <laughs> so, you know, whatever you think she's eating now, it's going to change. And I, I have no idea. It's like they eat one thing and then they completely switch the game. And you think, like, you can hold fast. And you're not going to give them that thing, but like they will break you down. They will <laughs> they will break you down until it's just chicken finger mac and cheese time. So good luck to you. Really? Hold strong. I mean, that's what I think. But I, I believe that. Listen, if you if you starve a child long enough, they will eat eventually, right? So yeah. it's just like if you can tolerate the crying. I think I don't know. Maybe other parents have uh, actual opinions on this, but I'm like I always think like how does the child get the, the the taste for the chicken fingers and the mac and cheese unless they're someone has to give it to them at some right. point, right? Yeah. But a lot of parents buckle. I'm just telling you, I don't know. Well, I know, and that's why I have done this process that I'm doing. Because and I can't tell you what it is yet, but it's working. Like okay. she's eating a ton of vegetables. Like I'm not kidding. Like she's literally, and you know, I'm not. I'm not doing the jarred stuff because I, I don't think people know this, but I hated vegetables like for so long in my life. 
Um, because I love my mom to death. And I think back then, you know, I'm older. Um, we, they didn't know that like uh, canned peas were not peas from a farm. No, nah, it was gross. Oh, the frozen stuff. You know, I had the frozen stuff. I didn't like vegetables either. Cause I didn't know what they were, but I, I don't think my mom knew either. You know what I mean? It was like get dinner on the table. There was five people in the house and, and, and everybody's working and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was not like today where vegetables are like a star of the show. I ate a Kismet last night and like, there was like no meat in my whole meal and I didn't even notice it. I'm a sausage guy. I mean, it was just so, so well done. Uh, if you're ever in the Los Angeles area on the East side, I recommend Kismet. It's this incredible Middle Eastern inspired restaurant. Um, and just the flavors are just so explosive and like, eh, you know, just so well done, you know, and like combining like melon with vegetables and all these different. I had a carrot dish with an almond broth that was like maybe my favorite thing that I had all night. And it was freaking ah. carrots with almond broth, oh. you know. Is it vegetarian cool. or That vegan? was a vegetarian dish. That was a vegetarian dish. But it was just, you know, the Middle Eastern spices, like hard spices and then a good amount of olive oil and that 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 almond broth and, and herbs and like they actually sent it out it was one that we didn't even order and i i see why they sent it out because it was just like man you know what you can do and this is a lot of my philosophy too like just with food in general like most of what i eat i have a big appetite and i, I don't eat mm-hmm. doghouse and cheap food all the time but i personally like to compensate with broth and chili and herbs and flavors, you know, like Uh I have a huge appetite. So I eat things that I can eat a lot of, uh, like vegetable based things. And then I just use a lot of flavor because that excites the palate. And when you're getting cheaper food or where you're buying fast food, they make up for depth of flavor with sugar and fat. So, you know, that's obvious. That's an obvious route. But like for me in my, in my, my personal life, when I cook, you know, I, I big flavors and, and large amounts of food, which are usually like vegetables and liquids and things like that. So I get full because I need to yeah. be full. I have a big appetite. Well, and going back to the, you know, I don't think farmer's markets were accessible the way they are now. And I know, like, I thought I hated peas. Like, I credit my love for dessert because I, as a kid, was not allowed to have dessert unless I ate my vegetables. And like. I would put the peas in my mouth, run up the stairs to the bathroom, spit them out, and repeat. And uh, it was just You had an elaborate ruse worked out. I did. I did. I I tried to live in integrity. At that point, I just wanted dessert. (laughs) How long were you running up the stairs with a mouthful of peas before you think (laughs) your, like, mother was on to you? Do you think they were letting this go? Like, do you think... Because that's another funny thing is like when parents are on to kids, but don't let the kids know they're on to them because they have to develop some independence as well. Um, Or do you think were you were you pulling the wool over mom's eyes? You know what? That's a really good question. Actually, I'm not sure. Like, I know I had to sit at the table and try to finish them. So I'm not sure if they'd already left and then the plate was just empty or what. Mm -hmm. Like, don't remember. But I did it for a while. And as I said, I just, I wasn't allowed to have dessert except on occasional Fridays, um, which is maybe why I like Fridays too. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people don't like the peas particularly because they get that real stinky feet, chlorophyll kind of smell when they're overcooked, you know, like uh, green vegetables do. And because they're so small, they get that really quick. And like, can I mean, frozen peas actually aren't as bad, but the canned peas definitely, so yeah. Not great. But 
But so I was hosting a show for PBS, like I would say six years ago. And I was on a farm with this guy who had this amazing restaurant and everything was grown. And he's like, oh my God, that you have to try these peas. They're so good. To which I'm sure you've had this experience where you're like, oh, great. And yeah. of course you're going to eat it because like you're on camera and you just have to like do your acting job at that point. And turns out it was actually good. Like, the shock that probably came across on camera. <laughs> wow, um, it was probably a real genuine reaction. Yeah, like it was seriously, like they were closer to jelly beans than the idea of the peas that I had. I mean, not that I really thought they tasted like jelly beans, but seriously, like it was so much closer and it was like this eye-opening experience of like, oh my God. So I think a lot of people, and when I'm coaching people, that's what I do. I try to get them, you know, like when they have resistance. So we'll see with jelly bean. I mean, I could be completely wrong and maybe I'll be like, you know, <laughs> going down the, I'll be sending assistance to the Mac and cheese aisle <laughs> buying it. So nobody <laughs> me. I don't know. Well, um, you know, I, I, um, I actually just did, uh, something with Artie Sequera. Are you familiar with her? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Love her. Yeah. Yeah. And she did a cool thing. Like we were working on this, um, this, uh, this like, uh, infomercial for this like new food item, which should be coming out soon. It's pretty awesome. But like, she's a mom and she was like doing like a Mac and cheese version. And she like buried a lot of vegetables in her Mac and cheese. Like she was using squash to thicken the sauce and she was able to incorporate like cauliflower with the noodles in there so that it still ate like a Mac and cheese, but it was really packed with like a lot of good vegetables. Uh, and I thought that was a pretty clever take on like, getting that, you know, getting that good version of that food in there. So I think if you introduce, if you're taking the time and you're cooking for your child and like you, you're, you know, if they grow up eating that thing, they're still going to like, like it when they have the cheap thing, you know, at some point they're going to be with a friend and they're going to be like, Oh my God, what is this well, thing? Yeah. Because it's going to mainline sugar. You know, I remember the first time I had McDonald's, it was like the forbidden fruit, you know, it was not something we had in my house a lot, but yeah, when you taste that first chicken McNugget with that, all sugar barbecue sauce and it's like sugar in the nugget sugar in the thing and and the fat it's like it's just it's 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 like drugs to a child it's tapping into dopamine centers you know i mean yeah heroin might feel good too it's not good for you though <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I hear. I, as as you said like i am cooking everything right now like i'm not even giving her applesauce that's not made by me um so you know we'll see if yeah. that continues i mean <laughs> this is you know, mm, yeah we'll see yeah i'm Just, worried about yeah. like preschool and stuff although my sister does with her son her husband's vegan and he seriously her son eats stuff that i won't eat i'll be honest like these black bean burgers and all sorts of things and that's all he knows and when he goes to preschool they literally like take the time to like make him cauliflower crust pizza and stuff and then the preschool is nice enough to like put it in the box so they pull it his pizza out of the box of the same other kid's pizza it's it's an elaborate ruse, and he seems okay with it. So. Oh wow! They they're, cons they're they're conspiring to make it seem like his pizza is the same. Yeah, like she literally gets the menu from the preschool and then tries to like duplicate so that he eats something that she feels good about. Wow, and he doesn't feel ostracized from the other children. Right, like he has no problem with. It. I mean, he's two and a half now. He was yeah, yeah. two and a half. December. Oh, almost three. Um, December baby. And, uh, and so far so good. So he's been going to preschool for two years and they've, they've got it going. So I'm not sure when birthday parties and all that starts happening, what's gonna 
happen. Yeah. You know, right now he's had like vegan sweets and things and that's it. So who knows? Yeah. Um, well, we're going to break here in a minute, so I don't want to okay. get you into a big topic, but stay tuned, everyone, because when we come back, we're going to figure out how Adam uh, got on Food Network Star to begin with and um, how he really started pursuing this dream that has worked out so well for him. Stay tuned, everyone. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Tune in to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso for an entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussion with some of the top stars in their fields, from business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, literature, and current events. If you're looking for what's next and comparing it to what's now or what's past, look no further than The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers you are listening to have it all with devin alexander to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here with Adam Gertler from Food Network Star. You've seen him on XF Movies. You've seen him all over the place. And he's truly someone living his dream, if you ask me. I've just loved watching him since I first saw him on Food Network Star. And then he was on A Kid in the Candy Store, um, which actually, let's talk about that. Because, well, one of the things that I really want to jump into is how you got started and how everything, um, you know, just to have the ability to pursue your dream in the way that you are like well how did that come about that's an interesting point of view because you could say pursuing the dream now but you know 10 years ago 12 years ago this was not the dream there was no blueprint for what i'm doing now i didn't know my dream was to be like a movie star you know like i Uh always wanted to be an actor yeah i studied theater i always 
wanted to act. That's always what I thought I would do. Food was always this like thorn in my side that would get in my way. You know, when I lived in LA the first time and I thought I should have been working on my six pack abs, I wanted to be like barbecuing for people. You know, that was just what I went to uh, when I was an actor and all the other waiters were so terrible at their job because they couldn't be less interested. I really liked my job. You know, I worked at great restaurants and, and I did great as a waiter because they could see I was very honest about my passion for the food. You know what I mean? Like if I was talking about food, it was a real thing. And I didn't know, but this would actually be the thing that I would be meant to do. At a certain point, um, when I was not a regular on Law & Order and nothing was really, really happening in LA, my brother and a partner of his um, got a loan to open a restaurant in Philadelphia. And it was sort of a concept that I had introduced my brother to, which was smoked meats, which was barbecue, which was not something that was native to where we grew up, which was Long Island. But we loved it. And then we had this idea to open this restaurant in Philly. So I left LA for Philly and we opened the smoke joint, which we had for a couple of years. I had no business being a chef at a restaurant because I just did not have the experience. It was like I was acting like a chef, you know? <laughs> um, and a lot of our friends moved out from California to help us manage it. And some people from the East coast helped us. And we ran it. We had this elaborate operation where we were smoking meats off premises, bringing them into the restaurant. And it was, it was great. It really was great. But when it closed, I was in Philly and I was, I started working for, uh, who is now iron chef, Jose Garces, uh, mm -hmm. at a restaurant called Amada, uh, at a fabulous Spanish tapas restaurant. Uh, and I started waiting tables again and sort of acting in local Philly stuff, but I was kind of lost nearing 30, um, in Philly, you know, just lost in the sense that I didn't know where I was going. I was in Philly, which was not home. And you're from Pennsylvania. I don't know how much you know about Philly, but it's very sort of like provincial like that. Like it's, it protects its own and it's kind of, you know, yes. if you're from there, you're from there. If you're not, it's kind of a little bit harder to feel at home, I think. Yes. Um, does that make sense? Is that it like totally does. And it's funny because I have a girlfriend there who moved also from New York and she was, she's a big executive, like was, um, with Rodale actually like did all the vice president of marketing and then went to Philly to do Nutrisystem. And she's like, the women here are not like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it is funny. It's a very different, um, I mean, I love Philly and obviously like my extended family is there and I love the people there, but I get what you mean that if you're not from there and you don't get it from the Pennsylvania perspective, somehow you might miss it, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah but everybody's so not like less flaky, more integrity and things like that than I found in LA. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Well, I was used to that because I am from Long Island and I lived in New York first. So I was, I was used to that East coast mentality and I do like that. And I do love Philadelphia quite a lot, but at the time I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and then, so I was lucky to get, um, on food network star while I was waiting tables in Philly because I went to an open call and I always look back on this and think like, if I had still been in LA at the time, I would have been another like sort of chef, sort of actor among a lot of them. But because I was in Philly and that wasn't really what most people were like, I think I stood out as someone who was more comfortable talking on camera. And I was lucky to get on Food Network Star, even though, you know, despite my barbecue stuff, I really didn't have 
the background in doing that kind of cooking and all that. But I saw that opportunity as like my big audition, you know, like this is my audition for the world and hopefully it will lead to something. And, um, it, and it did, I, I was not, I was like the runner up that season, but they gave me a show right away. So I knew I had the show will work for food even before food network star aired. So it was this really cool thing where I was still waiting tables. Food Network Star hadn't aired, and I already knew that I had an exit date from Philadelphia to fly back out to Los Angeles to start shooting a TV show. So it was like I left L.A. four years prior, kind of had, having gotten my ass kicked by L.A., feeling like a cliche, feeling like I didn't. I just knew I didn't have the niche. Like I wasn't the handsomest guy. I wasn't the funniest guy. Like what is the thing that's going to make money as me and I couldn't figure it out. And then, you know, kind of going through the open doors, I I followed food, food bounced me around. It bounced me into hosting. I kind of found the lane that I was always supposed to be in. Like this made sense. Like going back, thinking back to waiting tables, thinking back to all the food that was always there while I was acting. Like this did make sense. This was a path, but I didn't know the path at the time. I was just kind of saying yes to the open doors and no to like, you know, I, I, I wasn't the kind of person that was just banging my head against the closed door, which some people do. And eventually that does pay off. So there is no one way, but for me, I chose to go toward the open doors and, and that led me into this hosting thing. And, and I've honestly been working as a host in one form or another, um, for, for 10 years. Like I, I really have not had a, a long, uh, unemployed period. And then at some point doghouse became involved in all that, but I've been back out in LA for 10 years, all coming from that, you know, reality show gambit from that, you know, next to network star thing 10 years ago. You know, okay. So this is so crazy. Like I knew the second we met, like you're just amazing. And I was like, felt this connection of sorts. And it's so funny because I didn't know that about you. I didn't know that it started as an actor, but I started as an actor also. I was recruited by the Television Academy, and a lot of people don't know this, and there is relevance here. Um, I was recruited by the Television Academy for a script I'd written in college, planning to be a screenwriter, because at the time I was too insecure as a formerly overweight whatever to actually pursue acting. But once I got out here, I was pursuing acting and I was in a pile of movies and I did get, or like small things, um, like a lot of student films, a lot of like festival type films. Um, I even did a national commercial. I was on this show on Fox that was like called, um, when hidden cameras attack and I was like this condom sales girl in one of the episodes where I'd go up to people and be like, hi, can I help you? You know, like (laughs) basically. Um, and then I, it was really a funny time, but I was still like, I was a size four at the time, bigger than I, or smaller than I am now on television. And I kept being told I was too fat. And I also, like, look younger, so I was playing a 17-year-old at 27, long story short, got this documentary where Cameron Mannheim, Willem Dafoe, all these people were talking about the struggle and what they tell teen girls and teen boys and, you know, what it's like in Hollywood. And I wound up being the star of the documentary because at 120 pounds, my manager said that she wasn't sending me out anymore because I was too fat and they wanted me to lose more weight. And again, I was smaller than I am now. And like watching that back, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? And meanwhile, I'd owned a catering business to make money 
and realized that my passion was really in helping people get fit. So it's the exact same story as you. It's like, you know, seeing the open doors and instead of like letting somebody be like, she's fat, she's not cute enough. Cause in LA, like I'm a dime a dozen, like I'm really, you know, and when I go back East and I go to the grocery stores, like you feel pretty, you like, you know, you <laughs> kind of look like the magazine covers in a Pennsylvania sort of way. I know but, what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. There's like, well, there's just diversity. And when you go to other places, there's people of all shapes and sizes cause they're doing all different kinds of things. In Los Angeles, you find a lot of like these types of people trying to like sell themselves and 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 it also, you know, it be it breeds like bitterness and resentment, you know, because you do have these people that are like this this dream is a little girl or a little boy has now been perverted into these people just saying like you're too fat, yeah, you're too this, yeah. you're too someone that doesn't know you, doesn't care about anything because it's this whole idea of like at that point, it's not about the art. It's not about the passion. It's about the commodity. And that's something that you need to realize if you're getting into, if you're pursuing it as a business, it's not, um, you know, a referendum on like how, how talented you are. It's about commodifying something at this point. Everybody's trying to sell something. If it's going to generate money, you're selling a thing. So you're at the victim of the people selling that thing unless you are the person that takes control and decides for yourself what you're going to sell. Like, that's interesting that you had screenplays going on at that time. Like, because that's, that's generally the way people really break through. If you're like, uh, a, an alternate type out here, you know, because the people that do the hiring, they're not creative and, you know, generally they're not creative, uh, especially like executives. So they don't know what they want until they have it. So the people that break through really have a, a huge walls to break through, you know? And then when they do, it's like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, going back to the like Pennsylvania versus here and the, you know, it is funny. I mean, here I live on the beach, like all year, that pressure that people feel in the summer everywhere else to fit into their bikini. And, you know, people seem thinner elsewhere and, you know, that's when they get fit. And then I would do this too. Like part of the reason I don't want to live back East again, as much as I love my family and everything is I know I wouldn't go out to the gym. Like it's cold. It's like you have big sweaters on and you hide things. And here it's like, I'm throwing on my beach tennis dress every Saturday and Sunday. And, and I've got to, I don't want to say compete because I don't feel that way, but I mean, I really do enjoy healthy eating and feeling good and being active. So it just, you know, spurs that I've got to do it all the time, which it's I think does to make do it that. easier here. Yeah. It's definitely easier because it's, everything is, is built around it. And so there's more foods that are accommodating. If you are eating out, it's easier to do that, you know, in other places in Chicago uh, or parts of Pennsylvania or, or, you know, in the South, it's just like, the, the the you know uh, the, the the menus when you see out aren't as tied to it so you have to try harder and like yeah it, it is tough I was in Chicago a bunch this um, past winter and I'm like yeah I want to eat heavy things and cover myself up because it's freaking cold yeah and and it just right and then the whole you know in LA I mean you've probably had this too but I've had people tell me part of the reason I gave up acting is like. I get compliments on my smile all the time, probably more than it's that and my hair. And Uh I would go on auditions and you, you go and there's like 50 people, if not 200 who look exactly like you ish. And you just are like, I'm like, I don't know. And then they want to put you in this mold. Like I was told I had to highlight my hair and my front teeth, like 
they are too long, apparently, and they wouldn't look good on the big screen. And I actually had a manager tell me she'd sign me if I, like, to represent huge people, if I shaved my front teeth down. And I'm like, that's wow. insane, you know? And, and like, as I said, I get compliments. Like, that's not an area of insecurity. Like, there's other things you could pick on <laughs> that I would get upset about, but that I'm just like, what? My teeth are long? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Everybody's going to be, like, going to my headshots. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so what what do you think made it so that you were able to do those driving things? Like, what did you tell yourself to get you on those auditions and in that, you know, like you got beat up in LA. Why are you doing it now? Um, what do you mean? Uh, exactly. Well, like what do you basically, mean? you know, for people at home who are afraid to do that audition, like, did you have oh. those voices at all that were just like, Oh, didn't work in LA or were you just, you know, always, you know, the person I, who? I, I, um, I was fortunate, like I've always had agents, I've always had representation um, in New York. Um, you know, I've always kind of done well in that. And like when I was out here, I had done like a couple of commercials, I think. There was a couple of things, but it wasn't, I wasn't taking off. And, and I, I, I was always taught if something gets in the way of acting, let it. And mm -hmm. And I really felt strongly about restaurants and food and like, I thought, all right, hey, maybe, and again, I was at that age where I was like 22, too young to know that I was not equipped to do it, where you're that young age where you're like, well, you will take ridiculous risks that you have no business taking, uh, and you're impulsive, and, and you can do anything, so that's when I left LA, um, you know, to to do that. Uh, and then when I came back, I, you know, once like my first show was canceled after 13 episodes on food network, I was like, wait a second, I'm back out in LA. Do I go back to waiting tables? I thought I was a TV guy now. Like what's going on, you know? And that was, that was really tough. Um, and that's why that's what led to kid in a candy store, which you alluded to before. Like they called and gave me another show, even though the other one got canceled. And I was like, it's candy, but I'm a meat guy, but okay. <laughs> and, um, that was kind of funny that I did like 20 episodes of a show all about candy. And you really don't eat candy at all. No candy is like, you know, as someone who is obsessed with food, I also was heavier as a child. I know what it's like to have gone to Weight Watchers meetings in like sixth and seventh grade, like real yeah. formative years. So, you know, being picked on for being chunky and then also being ridiculed by other people and being someone who's really stubborn. I didn't like to be told what not to eat. You know, even though it's like people are looking out for you, it's the worst thing in the world when people are like, I think you had enough kind of thing. Yeah. So I understand all that kind of stuff. So as someone who is obsessed with food, I've always had a, maybe a sense of like choosing my battles and knowing what I like. And I never was into sweets. That was never my thing. It was very much like cheese, sandwiches, you know, burgers, fries, salty, savory stuff. That's my bag. Um, but when you have like the president of the food network, you know, or the vice president, Bob Tushman at the time saying like, you know, I had done this sweet special for Halloween. And they were like, well, that did very well. What are you going to do? You know, I, I wish that I was the kind of person that maybe had the integrity to say, Hey, thanks, Bob, but I'm going to pass on this one. Call me when you got to meet one. I couldn't do that. You know, I was like, yes, please send me back on the road and I'll travel the country. Cause even if I'm traveling the country doing sweets, I still get to travel the country and eat, which is the best part about doing 
a traveling show. It's like, what town are we in? They got to have some place worth eating here. Let's do it. Uh, which is like the coolest thing in the world. So even though the subject matter might not have been what I was into, like getting paid to travel and learn about food is something that like I got from Food Network. You know, I got a free education basically. I love how modest you are. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the integrity of that. It's not like you were like every episode being like, I love this candy so much or whatever, you know? No, it's- I mean, and it was very difficult too to make like, you know, you're in a lot of factories because we did a lot of the big candies, not even just like mom and pop bakeries and stuff, right. which would have been better. But so like having to traipse through these factories and try to make them look photogenic um, and then like, you know, be standing on top of a train car of corn syrup and sugar and being like, this is where they keep the sweets mix. You know, sweets mix, a.k.a. a train car full of not passengers, but corn syrup and sugar in a train car. And then they just hose it up and then it's piped into the factory. It's amazing. It's brilliant. And listen, I'm not against candy. I don't I'm not for the abolition of candy, just like I'm not for the abolition of any food that's really bad for you. Soda, popcorn, whatever. But everything has its place. And, uh, that's not always the way that it's sold to you because, you know, the sugar companies, uh, they make a, they make a, a, an item that's very cheap. So they spend all their money on advertising, you know? So, uh, you know, I did feel a little guilty being complicit in that, you know, and, and, and that's not to say that I still don't do some of that. Even for FX, I do advertising bits for candy or pizza hut or a thing, you know? Um, but it's not necessarily, how I eat all the time. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff to me is a very rare, uh, indulgence. Right. Awesome. Okay. Well, we have to go to break. This is, uh, it's amazing how awesome you are. Um, we're going to break. And when we come back, we're going to hear a little more about how you got, uh, deeply enrooted in doing such a awesome job on TV all the time. Stay tuned, everyone. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Get Unchained. 
Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. I'm back with the very awesome Adam Gertler. He, you probably know from Next Food Network star, Kid in the Candy Store, FX Movie Download. You've seen him a ton of times. And uh, he also is a spokesperson for a restaurant, but started sausage making on your own, right? Or developed a sausage line. Yes. So this was, so like I said, after I had like a, a show canceled on Food Network, I realized like, even when I had another show, I realized that this was not what you call steady work. So at some point, I I, I was really into barbecue and smoked meats, but I'd never done sausage before. Um, but when I was doing the show, Will Work for Food, one of the jobs, it was like dirty jobs, but food. Uh, one of my jobs on Will Work for Food was making sausage and just being a pit master at a barbecue place in Texas where I love Texas barbecue is one of my holy grail foods. Um, so I started to try to make sausage as a hobby, just as a hobby, because I thought I love crafts and that's not something that people do, certainly not Jewish people from Long Island making sausage. So um, I got the book Charcuterie and, and learned how to make it well and then started experimenting with my own flavors. And then I would do these pop-ups, like I would go to bars that maybe didn't serve food at night or maybe had like a very limited menu, and I would try to do these pop-ups, and my girlfriend at the time would kind of help me, and we'd travel around, and I would just make these sausages and smoke them in my backyard, and totally illegal, by the way, to do that. You can't serve food to people when you do that, Um, but... I, um, but you got it done. <laughs> I got it done. And then fortunately, one of my sausages was featured on Best Thing I Ever Made, a less popular offshoot of Best Thing I Ever Ate on Food Network. Um, and then so somebody, this guy, Tony Cantella, who owns a, a sausage company, Papa Cantella's in Vernon out here in Los Angeles, saw me and said, hey, man, I can maybe help you get into stores. Um, so I think at the time I was not really believing it because I had tried to do that once and uh, a company did a really bad job at making one of my sausages. So I didn't really pursue it. And I think at this time uh, I had already gotten my job on FX, FX movie download. Oh no, this is before that. This is when I was doing last call food brawl on destination America, which is a very short lived show that did six episodes. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, many failures, many failures. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so this guy, made a great version of my sausages and we eventually did these started doing these road shows to get them into Costco. During that time, he introduced me to these guys that had a fledgling business called Doghouse, which was in Pasadena. It was a couple of 
sausage hot dog burger restaurants in Pasadena. Um, and they used a couple of my recipes. Like I did a Thai curry sausage that they thought was good and, and a garlic herb kielbasa. So they liked a couple of my brands and, and they, we were already making them for Costco. So it made sense. Uh, and Doghouse was into doing like really cool, elaborate toppings, all served on Hawaiian bread. Very decadent, very delicious. Um, my brand eventually got into a Costco on the East Coast and died a very quick death. It was very bad. We got in and we went down hard. Pretty much once we weren't doing the road shows and the constant sampling, my sausage sat there among the other more popular brands and it just got overlooked. Um, which, you know, I just thought, okay, I'm out of that business. But Doghouse was like, hey, we love your stuff, and we like you. We, we see the stuff you do on TV. Why don't you just kind of be our brand representative and be our sausage guy? Kind of help guide our sausage program to eventually make everything more proprietary because at the time, they were getting hot dogs from here, uh, one sausage from here, one sausage from there, and they had this idea to start expanding. So I was like everything should be proprietary. So not just the ones that I make, but even your Italian, your Polish, um, your, um, you know, uh, I'll do a chicken one, you know, I I'll do the beef hot dog. I'll take over I'll make all these recipes and they will be doghouses recipes. Um, and that's sort of where the relationship started more than five years ago at this point. And now they've expanded to 30 restaurants. And we still are at the point where every sausage, every hot dog that we bring onto the menu at Doghouse starts as like a five or 10 pound batch in my kitchen with my grinder, my stuffer. I take notes like a, by hand, like a scribbled maniac, because I'm very bad at using Excel and anything like that. <laughs> and then... When I make a recipe and it gets scaled, we take it to Cantella, who's still making the stuff on the larger scale. We scale it up. We make a 50-pound version or a 70-pound version of the recipe. And then we, we um, dot the I's, cross the T's, make sure that everything is, is, is right. And it's the same thing. It's the same recipe. And then we'll scale up to make 300 pounds at a time. And then, you know, to, to service 30 stores, you might make 800 pounds. So it's like three batches, essentially. So it is very much that home cooking thing, um, just on a large scale. And, and, and Doghouse is great because it still allows me to do other things like the stuff I do for FX. I host for FX. I do red carpets, interviews with them. Um, so I'm still getting to indulge like that kid that wanted to be on TV. Um, and I still get to be involved in the world of food. And then I get to work as a food host and stuff because I'm still an expert because I'm actually in 30 restaurants right now, you know? So mm -hmm. everything I've kind of got it to a point where all these little things that I'm doing kind of feed each other. Um, so it's like a self-sustaining, you know, uh, weird circuitous, like, amazing. Like, you know, it makes no sense. Like, you know, like you, you make sausage, but you're like, it makes no sense on paper, but it's been working. And, and I'm very happy with that aspect of it anyway. Well, I just love like the number of failures you've shared, to be honest. Because so I many think, failures, every, yeah, the well, restaurant, no, I mean, I the brand, everything. Yeah. All of us, like truly. And, you know, he's not just a pretty face as it turns out and a funny character. I mean, it's, as I said, I love these conversations for people because I don't think people realize how many failures go into the big picture. And clearly you're working your butt off. Like every time something doesn't go as planned, you know, it's like, 
let's push in this direction so that, or create in this direction, I should say, so that some other door can be opened. And, you know, one would say, oh, it's so lucky that someone saw you on that show. But on the flip side, it's like, yeah, because you pushed for that too. Yeah, but Devin, I got to tell you, at that time, when I got that sausage on best thing I ever made, Mm -hmm. I was pushing for that because I knew at the time I had two shows that had failed on Food Network. I knew that they'd given me more than my shot, and I knew um, that my time there was kind of ending soon. You know what I mean? Like I knew I wasn't Bobby Flair, Guy Fieri. I knew I wasn't going to make it into that echelon. I was doing these hot dogs. I sort of looked at that best thing I ever made as almost like a Hail Mary. And in fact, I said on that interview on that show that I had an internet um, that I could sell the sausages online. And during the six months between taping that interview and that Mm -hmm. airing, I made that a reality. It wasn't. There was no business online. I knew the people who produced the show, and I told them, I'm trying to get this off the ground. If I don't, can you excise that from the interview? And I did, and I got it set up, but it was a huge failure because they didn't do a good job making my product, and I had to spend so much shipping it to people that I lost thousands of dollars in that initial endeavor. But it was very much a Hail Mary. It was like, this could be my last time on Food Network. I'm going to maybe try a business, and then I'll have this internet sausage business. And it's like, moron, it's so expensive to overnight sausages. Like, just yeah. another colossal failure. <laughs> now, I, I mean, believe me, I get it. It's funny because it's even like, you know, putting your trust in people. Like, when I had my restaurants on Royal Caribbean, I wanted to get my dessert mixes manufactured like I know I want to launch them at some point which is part of the reason I'm so impressed that you actually did that but and my manager kept saying oh I'll you know take care of it like he was going to get them you know get the mixes made at least and he didn't and we were one week from having the deadline like the cutoff for Royal Caribbean because like in July you had to have everything headed to the ship's to have it in like November. And in one week I managed to find someone to manufacture my mixes. But like I was on the phone and like desperately calling every person I knew. And and then we went through 150 pounds of mix a week on the shit. It was crazy. It was amazing. So you were doing like uh, a lighter line of desserts for the cruise ships? Yeah, I was doing, well, I had full restaurants and then in the restaurants, they were able to bake, like they baked everything fresh on board at Royal Caribbean. So, um, we, like, I just needed to get the mixes there. So I didn't have to give them the recipes because they could have done them from scratch from scratch. But I was like, I can't give away these recipes. Like, there's no such thing as, I mean, you sign NDAs, you sign all that stuff, but the number of people who would be seeing those recipes. So, yeah. So, yeah, it was like somebody, it's like powder in a bag. Somebody figured this out, you know, like the manager had four months to do it and didn't do it. And then literally in a week. But those are the pieces that people don't realize, you know, that that we do all this (laughs) and we forget to have kids. So later we then go and grab them from. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like then you do all that and then you're like this tiny person is like trying to figure out this little code you know it's like that's why i said like it's, like, it's amazing you know how like uh, a child can like undo you know even the most successful or oh. industrious sort of like parent you know because like they don't care they're not impressed they're just like i'm hungry <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, so far. I mean, I've been, I don't know if I, I just have a, I joke that she has a chip in her that's like she knows that she's not 100% permanent yet and she's worried she's going to go back because she's that awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> like every time I'll be like, we don't behave like that. She's nine months. Like she doesn't know what that means, but somehow yeah. she like pays attention to that. <laughs> So, well, we have two minutes left, so I want to make okay. sure people know how they can find out more about you, go try out your cheat meals and things like that. Yeah, and listen, even uh, you could always go to Doghouse, and if you want to, like, eat healthy there, just lose the bun. The bun is, like, one of the best things about Doghouse, so if it's a cheat meal, get the bun. If not, a sliced sausage on top of, like, a bed of arugula with some of our lighter condiments, I find is really high protein and, like, really good meal. And as someone who eats it all the time, that's what I do a lot. But if it is cheat meal time, by all means, go to Doghouse. You can go to doghouse.com, D-O-G-H-A-U-S. Uh, and you can find out where the closest doghouses are to you or where they're coming. That has our map. Um, I'm at Adam Gertler, A-D-A-M-G-E-R-T-L-E-R. On Instagram, you could see a lot of the food I'm talking about i just put up a video for our latest lto that we did um benefiting no kid hungry in collaboration with chef dean fearing from dallas it's called the t-mex and it is amazing we'll be oh. featuring that at the taste la next weekend as well oh you um, are yes 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 we'll be there i'll be very excited about that i love that event it's always so much fun um, and yeah you could see me on fx movie download talking about movies with sasha pearl raver um, I'm going to be talking to, um, uh, if you get FXX or FXM, I'm going to be talking to the cast of the new Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which is really exciting. I saw it and it's incredible. You want to be inspired? Look at this story. I mean, the music of Queen and the story of Freddie Mercury is like unbelievable. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, check me out. And, uh, if you reach out to me, I'll, I'll respond to you. I'll say hi. Very cool. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I know um, some people might be like, really? Sausage and candy? But as you can see, Adam has so much um, to offer. Yeah. And I just, I love everything you do and how hard you work. And and I um, hope somebody today was inspired to go really pursue what's in their heart um, with a vengeance so it can... Ah, work out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and listen, I, and I'd love to, you know, talk again more about like specific food stuff and diet, but like nothing comes without a plan. You know, there is like a plan in the chaos and like, I love food. So I, I work really hard to eat well most of the time so that you don't leave yourself wanting, you know, it's all about goals and building up to them. And like, you know, you say cheat meals, but like if you really plan and you build everything, then it's not really cheating. It's just it's part of the plan. Right. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. That's exactly how that is exactly my philosophy. Like, if yeah. you really want something, eat it. And if you don't, then why are you like I was heckling one of my clients last weekend because he was eating mac and cheese at the AVP. Um, and it's not even good there. I'm like, what is that's what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You don't need that one. You don't need that one. Well, on that note, I feel like we could go on for hours. Unfortunately, we, could. we have to end. But thank you so, so much. And again, everyone, reach out to Adam Adam Gertler. He's on Instagram. And, and go to Doghouse. Have a great yep. week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.